Hi, and welcome to Yes Please, your go-to podcast for all things sexuality, pleasure, and orgasms. I've named this podcast Yes Please because that's how I want you to feel about all things sex, pleasure, and orgasms. Yes, please, and more. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality. And I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however, it's about so much more. Personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression, and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert, sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF, who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human, erotic, and sexual experience, and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I'm a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, and in my work I specialize in female sexuality, and I work with women with pussies and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me. Expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you and even though I'm an expert on this topic, I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion, not a must. So take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay, hi and welcome again. I'm delighted that you're here and now let's dive into today's topic. Hi, thank you so much for being here today and thank yourself for taking the time to listen to this episode of my podcast. And today it's a conversation with Megan. She was a member in my Shameless Mastermind program in 2022 and then she decided to rejoin in the 2023 cohort and that program is now coming to an end and the 2024 cohort begins in April and I invited Megan to share about her experience and her transformation because it's just been such a fantastic journey for her and both her and I wanted this to be public and shared with the world because if she can so can you and it shouldn't be a secret right how amazing my shameless mastermind program is and the incredible transformation that is possible for women when they say yes to themselves and join the program. So in summary, Megan experienced an incredible renewed sense of celebration and embrace of her pleasure in the first round where she really realized that she had been neglecting her pleasure as a wife, as a mother of two, as a business owner, she'd just become this busy woman and she'd been neglecting her pleasure and feeling like it was just frivolous or like, yeah, not part of her wellness routine. And so she reclaimed her pleasure in the first round and really realized how necessary and essential pleasure is as part of a woman's wellness routine and, and wellness in general. She's also a wellness coach. So she was like, holy fuck, this was a big missing piece in my work and in my life. In the second round of Shameless, she's really focused on her relationship health and growth and improvement. She's married. She's been married. Well, I don't know if she's been married the whole time, but she's been with her husband for 14 years. 
And she says that she's had the best sex of their relationship ever, thanks to Shameless. Just recently that happened. And in the second round of Shameless, she's been healing her victimhood around men. She's been healing her relationship to and with men. And that has created the foundation from which she can really show up in her marriage in a different way and create the best marriage with her husband because it's been a bit rocky. As you can probably imagine, after 14 years, I've been with my husband for 10 years. Long-term relationships are not easy and it requires us to do the work. Yeah. She also talks about healing codependency and the work in Shameless really contributing to her stepping out of that behavioral pattern and the psychological trap that codependency is. So powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. I know the power of Shameless. I know the power of my coaching, of the practices, of the design of the program. But don't take my word for it. Listen to Megan. Listen to the other women, the other episodes where we talk about Shameless. And start to believe that this is possible for you too. If you're thinking about the program, if you're curious about it, please, please, please lean into that. Trust that nudge. Trust yourself. Trust your intuition. Reach out to me if you want to talk about it. Hop on a call to uh, discuss it with me and dare to say yes to your transformation, to your growth, to your most powerful, shameless, orgasmic self. I also want to mention real quick before we begin with the actual conversation with Megan that on Sunday, February 11th, a three-day event that is free, that's all about pleasure and orgasms and your shamelessness and your empowerment as a woman and fucking best version of self and life starts so sign up below. It's called Pussy Power Orgasm Edition. It's free. It runs over three weekends, Sunday evenings, Central European time. I'd love for you to be there and take part of that magic. All right. Enjoy hearing my conversation with Megan. And again, if she can, so can you. Welcome, Megan. It's wonderful being with you here today. Thanks for joining the pod to have a conversation about your experience in Shameless. Thanks for having me. And this is your second round in the program. So you did the first round in 2022 and then rejoined for the 2023 experience and round. Please share with us why you decided to rejoin and do a whole extra year, another year. One was just like, I wanted more. I just didn't want to lose the momentum, the vibe, the energy of the whole program and process. Another one was the community. Like I just felt so held in this space of women that I hadn't found in another container. And yeah, like I just knew there was more work to do. I, I don't think I really knew specifically what was going to come out of it. But, you know, as a coach myself, I know these things are practices and it's so much easier when you have community and accountability around these things to actually keep doing the practices. And if you don't keep doing the practices, you know, some of that progress is going to fall the wayside. It's like a muscle you have to keep using. Yeah. And what would you say has been most transformational in the second round? What, what did you get out of the program? Was there a difference between what you got the first round to the second round? What has really made an impact on you this this time? Feel free to just freestyle and share what comes through. Yeah, well, I mean, 
the first round, it was just a lot of new information. The experience in general was overwhelming in a good way with all the layers of, of the things it gave me. And I'd say my main takeaway from the first round was that pleasure is a part, an essential part of holistic wellness. You know, it's, it's a tool that most women just probably aren't aware. In some cases, it might be a lack of internal permission, you know, some way that we were raised. And, and that when we talk about pleasure, it doesn't always have to be sexual pleasure, you know? So the, the, that was something that for me was transformational, bringing that into my wellness toolbox was transformational and also bringing that into my coaching. So that was kind of like short of round one, which was 2022. But then, um, so this Can I year- interject? Sorry. Yeah. I just got an image of like the way people and women think about pleasures, like it's the dessert. When do I give myself a dessert? When do I deserve a dessert? Dessert is indulgent. It's a bit like shamefully hedonistic. And what you're saying is actually pleasure is not a sugary, sweet dessert, but it's like the, it's the vegetables and the main course. Or like, it's actually like, I use it hard for, for eating as well. Like at what yeah. point did you stop enjoying eating or, or like looking, using that lens as deciding on what to eat. Right. Like, cause yeah. it's, it's not, it's pleasure in the moment, but it's also in like feeling good after. Yeah. And I like that, that, yeah, I think there's just a lot of narrative around restricting ourselves on pleasure. Yeah. Not yeah. productive. <laughs> Totally. In so, so, so many ways. And restricting ourselves from pleasure, just, yeah, from like feeling good in the most simple terms, in the most simple ways, and being present when we eat, in how we breathe, in so many things that we do. And we can trace that lack of permission back to a lot of cultural ideas and societal ideals and religious ideals and a lot of fear mongering around pleasure. But sometimes it's the smallest shift that can have such a big impact on, oh, wow, I'm actually allowed to feel pleasure. I'm, I'm allowed to be happy. I'm allowed to feel good. I thought I was meant to feel just a huge amount of suffering in order for me to be good, right? So that's the big thing in and of itself. But okay, I want to uh, allow you to keep going. So pleasure is wellness. Pleasure can be part of wellness. Pleasure is valuable and important for me as a human on this planet, as a woman on this planet. And it also impacted the way you worked as a coach, as a wellness coach. So that was the first round, the biggest takeaway. And now let's continue into this round. What would you say about your experience? What has impacted you the most? Yeah, I'll just quickly say, so that I joined the first time because I felt like I was personally lacking tools and ability to get to a deeper level of intimacy and really, I had kind of like discarded my own sexuality as like a thing I could build independent of my sexual relationship with my husband. So that was our other big two pieces, which spin more in what I got out of 2023, which surprised me for sure. Again, it's not like I had like a specific thing I wanted to work on. I just knew that there was more to work on. I, I think I've really healed on the second round, my relationship with men in general. 
because I think there's just a lot of noise that goes along with female empowerment. I think we're on fourth or maybe fifth waves of feminism now. And I mean, I've always had incredible men in my life, but if I, being honest, I think it seemed like, and again, I'm now aware that this was largely from sort of like an energetic position I was taking as you do when you get disappointed or betrayed or hurt, then you take on this lens and you only notice the things that are confirming your existing stance. Well, I think on a subconscious level, a victim mentality, mm. but you know, me being an, a powerful modern woman that does exactly what I want to do, I dress it up and all sorts, you know, put bows on it or, but I, I hadn't healed that underground, let's face it, anger that was like motivating so much of my life. It's not, it's not the only source of unresolved anger that I would been, was carrying. Like I have some other themes there. And I just became aware this round, how that was impacting my marriage and how I was showing up and how I was showing up was very much impacting my husband, but not creating like a ripe, welcome environment for him to even be interested in doing some of this work. We, we weren't able to get to a place where we both could evolve as individuals and together because my love was very dependent on certain things happening how I thought they should be happening. And so even though in a lot of ways I was being loving and compassionate and understanding, there was sort of this like undercurrent hold that was keeping us both yeah, just not being able to find this deeper level intimacy, which, you know, it's only been, again, this, this work, it's not like a thing that happens in 20 days. <laughs> you know, like, no. Which <laughs> is why the program is a year long and you can rejoin. Yeah. <laughs> so we felt these shifts, massive shifts since August. So like more than six months now and the ways it's manifesting in just making our marriage stronger. And essentially, we've now like gone back and built a foundation that wasn't there, I think. He might find that hurtful to hear, but there were some things that were making it very hard to feel like on steady ground. And because we love each other so much and because we're a really amazing team in terms of parents, yeah, we did a really good job for 12, 13 years of being in a really good relationship. But as you get into these longer, lifelong relationships, like you, well, I wasn't going to be happy if it was staying exactly the same. I needed it to evolve. And, and honestly, I, I don't think I imagined how it could have evolved to the where it is now. And I know that we're still doing the work. We've signed up for other programs as well, like his interest and willingness and he's also doing like his own work independent with other like things that I've been sort of lovingly pushing his way for years but you know as a coach I knew I couldn't be that for him like I, I, ca I can't be all the things I can't be his coach he you know but also if someone doesn't want to be coached well you know they have to it's a few times yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, Megan, I am beaming with happy. I had so many like shivers running through my body and just feeling these like waves, like heartbeats or I don't know, soul beats of joy. And I teared, I teared up hearing you talk about this deep healing that you've experienced with men. I, I don't know if you realize just how profound that is or if you've like taken a moment to really take that in. Um, but I feel it so incredibly profoundly. And I know you have two sons. So also with that, maybe you've already noticed there's a shift in how you relate to them. Maybe they're still too young to sort of be a representation of a man or men. But it's exactly what you say. Um, a lot of women and myself included, we're hurt by men or male figures. Sometimes it starts with our father. And then oftentimes it starts with our father. So <laughs> father wound, hand up. If you that was like an, that was an early one for me. But yeah, it was big. Never dealt yeah. with properly. Yeah. And then we grow up and especially for heterosexual, which you are, I am, or at least mostly. And then there are these ruptures, heartaches, ruptures of safety, ruptures of trust, ruptures in in the heart, ruptures sexually, sexual boundaries that are overstepped by boys, men, etc. And little by little, there's armor created. Little by little, there's a projection that starts forming, like you say, a lens through which we see all men and we create a worldview and a belief system. And then what the brain does is constantly look for confirmation bias. Where do I see this being represented and perpetuated in the world around me? Because I want my worldview to be and feel true and safe. Like that's how just the brain and the ego operates. And so once you have that belief system, well, everyone's guilty until proven innocence, which is obviously the wrong way to go about it. But that's how most women operate in this world. We're angry for a reason, but like at, at a certain point, we also have to stop and punish every single fucking man in our life for all of the atrocities that have happened through the ages and for all the shit that's going on everywhere around us. And also to take a step back and go, wait, wait a minute, maybe I'm being a little bit too egoistic and narcissistic because surely men on this planet are hurting too. And surely on this planet, men are being traumatized uh, emotionally and physically by women as well. So it's not like we can just point the finger and blame all men and then like clean ourselves from all <laughs> fault and reason and just feel like we're holier than thou. Anyways, I'm so happy for you and I'm so happy for your husband and your marriage. Yeah, definitely. There's a ripple effect with my parenting and I'm just so much more forgiving, which yeah. I think I thought I was before, but I might mean, just quickly want to say from what you said, like, I think it's important to acknowledge that as women or as individuals, when you get hurt or you're just trying to feel less alone or like all the reasons that we build these, these narratives that become our lenses, you know, it's because it makes you feel safer and maybe it serves you for a while to like realign with how you conduct yourself and what, who are the types of people you spend time with, right? Like in my 20s, I think it probably saved me from some sticky situations, but even stickier ones, right? But then as I got older, and then of course, seeing how I was unconsciously applying this to my marriage, and like just sitting and listening to every man talk, and just, you know, waiting for them, just waiting for the place that you can, like, oh, yeah, there it is. 
not not focused on women's rights or no, obviously they think X, Y, Z, right? Like, and it's just exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Staying in your own lane because you probably have enough shit to deal with in yourself is so freeing and liberating because you're like, oh my God, we're just like handing it up to God or whoever else will get like, you'll get your punishment. I don't have to sit here and punish every single man on the planet and be the decider of who's good or bad. And I think another like parallel that I've lived here living in Mexico, there's a lot of things that one could be fearful about. And, and I don't think this is necessarily even specific to Mexico. I see it in, in other places that, you know, when I was a kid, I would go with a group of friends, but even as young as, uh, younger than seven, on my bike, 14 blocks from the house to like play in a river, come back hours later. And so there's this, there's this dynamic. It's like the more that we're, n that no one's on the streets and that we're all sort of like holding this wall of, judgment to our everyone we're interacting with our neighbors all these things like this sort of like assumption of malintent again it's exhausting and also you're showing up that way too like you're showing up suspicious yeah instead of being like no everybody really is doing their best or you know the vast majority of people are doing their best and they're showing up with all of their own life experiences of which you probably have limited access of knowledge of what those are. Yeah, exactly what you talk about with the suspicion, which leads to a kind of uh, offense is the best defense because we're then always like looking for that moment where we can like attack. Oh, I see your negative, like misogynistic belief shining through. There it is. I will attack it because I was so and in other ways as well with just anyone. So what happens is and I've learned this from Alison Armstrong, and I teach this in the Shameless program in the module about men, is that there's this hierarchy of focus in people in general, but specifically in men. And so it goes procreate is the top priority. Protection is the second, self-protection, protection of others, and then provide. And so if someone's always feeling an energetic suspicion towards them, or this feeling of, I'm going to be attacked at any point. And that's what men walk around and feel. women also feel that way too. So, I mean, we're all losing in this game. Like you say, if everybody walks around feeling armored and um, ready to be attacked or attack, then we're all losing. But a lot of the women who want to experience men's incredible deep capacity for love and intimacy and, and providing and showing up for a marriage and being that loving man you want them to be but if you're sitting from an unconscious place or you're you're coming from an unconscious place of all men are shit and you're a representation you're an individual representing that larger group of shitty people on this planet they're noticing that and they're in protection mode and if you put a man into protection mode he's not going to be able to provide for you and so it's beautiful like you say you've healed some of these core wounds noticed some of the unconscious belief systems and ways in which you were operating, which place you were operating from when it came to this. And it's, it's subtle and it's sneaky and we don't, we don't notice it. And it's become so normal that we don't see it uh, and see the effect that it has. And once you started releasing those things, your husband has changed and he's showing up for you differently. And he's doing these programs with you and he's doing his own healing. And all of a sudden, he's feeling safe to provide, provide the things that you're asking for. 
and also provide a kind of safety for himself because he's not constantly in protection mode. And it can feel shitty, like, why do I have to go first on this as well, right? A woman will say, why do I always have to go first? But, well, you don't have to, but what do you want? Do you want to have a loving relationship? Well, maybe this is one pathway you could try to explore and see what result it gets. I also love this other concept from Allison that she teaches that what men to women are like sheepdogs. They're loyal. They provide safety. They can teach you about safety. They will literally do anything to keep you safe and to keep the flock safe. And then some men are, are wolves and they are bad and they will harm and they will hurt and they will kill. But there are so many more sheepdogs on this planet than wolves. And the same goes for women. There are many, many good women and there are some really cunty ones as well, like to be honest. Well, let's not go. I think that's human. I think but, that's but human. I, yeah. What I do want to say there, and I think like in general, but I'll speak to my own experience, realizing how much all of that was also a layer of distraction from the work that I still had to do. Yes. Like, oh, I've already done all of this, you know, personal development. And so you just need to catch up with me. Like you're still the problem versus like, oh shit. Yeah. Just spending a lot of time and energy holding you and all of these things that you're not doing right allows me to not put that lens on myself and own where I still need to have the essence of Byron Katie's the work (laughs) right there. (laughs) Oh, another huge piece for me this year was owning my own codependency in so many pieces of this. And for me, it was a huge epiphany understanding that my first codependent relationship was with my dad and he was an alcoholic and my husband, this is like a, a, a theme in our marriage, particularly of course, since I got sober. So one of us still drinks, the other one doesn't drink at all. And so it's very natural when you're in a codependent, emotionally codependent relationship with someone that you're hyper-focused on all their behavior that could potentially affect your emotional but again, that, that energy of being like hyper-focused and critical is not a great place for growth and change, that environment. I love that you bring those two perspectives into it, that criticizing someone else can be a distraction from the own work that you need to do. And we all have our own individual work that we need to do. The, the, the partner can always serve as a mirror for that and also the codependent piece around that. And I do believe that the work that we do in Shameless, the pleasure practices, the deep nature of those practices, that they invite you into your inner body and into your inner realm so profoundly, so intimately, that you so intimately need to meet yourself on a physical level, an emotional level, a psychological level, even the spiritual level, that it creates a foundation of, I know who I am. I am becoming into myself. There's a kind of safety that is created through that work. And that helps facilitate the release of codependency. Because if you're going to stop being codependent on someone else, you can't just remove the else. 
you have to replace it with someone. You have to replace it with a safety and a coming home to yourself. It's building safety in yourself to be able to trust yourself so that you can start leaning into yourself instead and seeing, oh, I'm whole in myself. Would you agree with that? Or what would you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, again, before I ever met you and knew anything about Shameless, like I had done a lot of work on self-compassion and self-forgiveness and a lot of positive work, mostly just shifting out of this default victim mentality in a lot of areas of my life. But then having this blindness of where I was doing it in this other small piece, right? And I think the, the cognitive dissonance is you're the problem, so therefore I can't be the problem. Like when in reality, there's at least four truths always going on. You know, like there's what you intended, what you want, what you experienced. And, you know, there's not just one version of what happened. It's like, what are you living and how am I impacting unintentionally most of the time? And I think for you to have the capacity to really just like experiment with letting go of managing the situation, you need to be doing this inner work and creating a sense of safety that's completely independent of somebody else, especially if you've never had that before. And I think in the holistic wellness space, there's a lot of talk about what we're talking about, but very few people talk about it like on a womb, feeling safe on a sexual level, even with yourself. And, and I think there's just Pandora's box of good things when you start doing that level of self-compassion, of growth. And yeah, the more I did the work, the deeper the sense of power, but not power over and safety I felt to, and in that ability to just be more and more honest with myself. Yeah. And I think especially in this day and age, like the more that we can develop this as women, because the only certainty is uncertainty that we're going to be facing. And so, you know, it's always been that on a micro level. We like to think we have control over all these things. It's just this defense mechanism to make us feel safer when a lot of times we like, let's just say as mothers, we like to think that we have control over and then a pandemic hits and you realize there's a lot of things you don't control. <laughs> yeah. And so having yeah. this be like a little bit more easy breezy with okay, we don't know a lot that's going to happen in the next two to 10 years, but we know this and we can focus on this and building an inner safety and foundation, I think is one of the more beautiful parts of, of this work. And I'm deeply moved by those reflections. And I knew and know that the program and the practices and the work had have this potential, but it's always so beautiful to hear it over and over and over again that you, that I created a program that teaches orgasms. And here you are talking about some really, really profound human aspects of human life and growth and maturity and relationship dynamics. And it's making me just feel a renewed sense of awe for the work, for my work, for the program, for the, the depth that it reaches inside one individual's experience, in this case, yours. So thank you so much for sharing that. And then I also know that you've had 
so many orgasms and uh, in the program. I haven't had a chance to share with you, but my husband and I had like the most amazing sex of our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been together for how long? 14 years? Yeah. Coming up on November. So yeah. I do want to qualify that it was like, it was never awful. It was always really good, but which makes that celebration I, even better. Yeah, I knew that there was like more incredible levels that it could be brought to. And yeah, so. And and what's interesting is I, I celebrated that and it was amazing. But obviously these deeper shifts are so much more, at this moment in time at least, feel so much more important and have dramatically shifted my daily and the reason why you can have the most amazing sex of your life is because of these deeper shifts, because right. you can't just do superficial work or super superficial shifts and expect the intimacy to unfold or the orgasms to open up. Having the best sex, having the best orgasms require deep psychological, mental, emotional, sometimes spiritual, relational work. And it's a grind. We can be gentle. It can be slow paced. It can be consistent and lovingly encouraged. And we can allow it to take time and we build patience and persistency. But these are the rewards that we can, that we can receive. And I really, really want to celebrate you for doing this work. I know it hasn't been easy. I've been there with you in the highs and the lows. I know there have been some really, really amazing highs and some really, really low lows, and you've stuck with it, and you've just said yes to the process the entire time and said yes to yourself, and I am honored to sit here with you today and, and celebrate like the birth of marriage 2.0, like this is the start <laughs> of a new relationship, and that's beautiful. That's wonderful, and the fact that it's possible, it just brings so much hope and inspiration. Yeah. I think one thing I have really learned and I, and I teach this in my own work, but again, like having this other lens of it is just trusting that things happen in cycles. We're taught all about quick fixes and that growth is this straight line and it's not. And I think you said the process, but like just having a much kinder vision of what progress looks like, which brings in the patience required because, and this one analogy, I've been, I don't know where I saw it on Instagram or something, but I love it. The sense that you're going in circles, but really you're spiraling up. Like it's kind of since like, oh, I've seen that view before, but it's like, no, but it's not quite the same. There is this growth, there is this evolution. And yet yeah, sat with my kids last night. I'm like, all right, just to be clear, like the best tool is, is kindness, you know? And the more we can apply that to ourselves and I think everyone else, people bloom when they feel safe. And sometimes that involves you being a little bit more radically honest with yourself in the ways that you're contributing to them not feeling safe. Mm. Thank you so much, Megan. I had absolutely no idea what we were going to talk about today, but I am so glad that we landed on this topic and that this has been the transformation, the topic that has been unfolding for you this year. Uh, lastly, wrapping up, what would you say to someone who's listening, who's thinking about shameless, but feeling trepidation, hesitation, fear, maybe around the energy, the, the time, the money investment? What do you want to say 
to a woman who's thinking of joining the program? I always speak a lot to trusting your intuition. You know, like if you have this energetic pull, and even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, be that financial sense, or you've never invested in yourself in that way, or, you know, in a lot of ways, like, I think there's just, you can't even imagine the ways it's going to positively impact your life. So just hone into that instinct that you think it sounds really something that, you know, follow that curiosity, I think is what I would say. Mm, Perfect. Thank you so much for today. This was a beautiful conversation and I appreciate you so much. Likewise, queen. Mm. (laughs) Okay, my friend, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new today or that I reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex, pleasure, and orgasms in your busy life. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time.